Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard, and I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Boys. Yeah. Well, the boys are here. They're nervous. They're calm. <laughs> Boysies. Get rarer. Why is this happening to me? Me. We're not getting Maccas and you can blame my son. <laughs> Get a few today, did you? It's great to contractually be obliged to be here. <laughs> is anyone going to listen to this or what? No, I actually don't know what, what happens in third grade. <laughs> you either get nude and get in the shower, or we're throwing all your quick gear in, bro. No, like, no chance I'm going to bowl you. <laughs> 19th century Pax Britannica. Well, we've just come straight off the back of watching one of the all-time great test matches. More of a Super Smash fan myself, obviously, but elsewhere in the show, talking about the Women's World Cup, they've gone sixth-time champions, a three-peat for the second time. That's before we preview India and Australia, the third test at the Indoor Cricket Centre. I think it's pronounced. Before we get into hashtag RCJC, my name's Ian Higgins, Sam Perry. You've just watched, um, you've just watched New Zealand win a game by, by one run. Um, do you want to celebrate New Zealand? Do you want to, um, do you want to celebrate England's failures? Um, should Jimmy Anderson be playing in the side if he can't see the ball, despite him being number one bowler in the world? Um, do you want to complain about anything? Uh, how does it make you feel New Zealand winning a game by one run against England? <laughs> oh, I mean, it, we're online, so um, I'm just invariably torn between saying the most provocative thing versus how I actually feel as a civilian and citizen in a community. Um, I'll start with the latter, like uh, because they, they they're not one and the same. <laughs> uh, but like, I just cannot um, express enough how amazing, like. The, the cricket is that England serves up. I know they lost, and we'll get into the sheep. We'll get it. We'll get. We'll get into the skeleton shortly. I was going to use the older Billy Birmingham phrase there, just into my head, which is unnecessary. But um, but uh, the the cricket they serve up is just extraordinary. Like th- that that result doesn't happen without the baseball and stuff. Like I've I've watched this game over the last couple of days and. The deck's been pretty slow. There's been a lot of round-the-wicker stuff into the pads and, you know, gnarly ways of getting guys out and whatever. And that that a game like that can be produced from a, a, a pretty docile deck is, again, like just a um, another, like, and though they lost, you know, but like a, a, a another great achievement from the Brendan McCullum side, you know. It, it was a gift. It was, it was an awesome game to watch. Uh, the next story is <laughs> just thinking about Jimmy Anderson coming out to bat at the end and going, mate, I'm 40. <laughs> I'm 40 <laughs> years old dealing with this shit. <laughs> you know, like, 
into wags into the ribs. Had a couple of I could hear like this game had such a great aesthetic. You know, it's New Zealand cricket, so it's got a great aesthetic in many levels. But uh, the the crowd, you could hear you could hear guys yelling out backing you wags, and it wasn't the players. You know? <laughs> <laughs> someone else, yeah. someone else yelling out, have a ping at the stumps wags because uh, he was sort of bowling some short stuff. Uh, yeah. So, I just think that uh, you know. So, I'm, I'm probably speaking from a game perspective first before getting into the online stuff. But uh, like, th- th- just Br- Brendan McCullum's style of cricket just creates so many stories all of the time. I mean, every game they play, there seems to be eight or nine guys that do something of note when you look at the scorecard. Like, it's just my, my eyes mm. spin like a fucking feature on the pokies that I don't play. Like it's just, everybody's doing something, and then and New Zealand have their own uh, performers in this as well. I mean, K- Kane's ton yesterday, incredible, followed by just a completely uh, uncharacteristic misfield towards the end of the game. Uh, so, it, yeah, it was it, it's just extraordinary. Uh, it was it was the closest. I mean, I mean that's the close, closest test match I've ever seen. You know, I've never seen a tie, and that's as close as you get to it. Hmm. Mm. Um, let's let's um let's let's uh flitch to some online brain now. Now if I'm yep. if I'm English this morning and I'm watching that at three a.m. um uh you know UK time uh, and I'm watching the second last ball of the match and I'm thinking fuck me that is a wide every single day of the week scores would be level. Now there's there is so many turning points over the course of five days you know and that's one of the beauties of the Test match of course. But I just remember the last thing that happened before the very last thing that happened. Um, and I just love how the umpires just want to be involved in the games until they don't. <laughs> like, like if it's if it uh, if it's, uh, suits, uh, it's, it suits it suits my day to wrap up the game early with a hit on the pads or a caught behind or something. I'm thinking about fourth grade now. Then we are getting out of here asap because I need the beers. Um, but when there's a when there's a a blatant wide bold, um, and it might dictate the way which way the ball, uh, sorry, which way the the game is decided. I'm thinking, nah, I might keep the old hands in the pockets there. Um, so I think England can feel aggrieved on that in that regard that the score should at least been level. But mate, you're entirely right about Brendan McCullum's um, side that like there's this every single session there's something amazing happening. Like they they they're three for uh, the twenty one for three in the first seven overs of the game, and and Joe Root is like running down the wicket and Harry Brook is doing the same thing and they're playing like reverse laps over the cordon. Um, and then they they enforce the follow on. Obviously, uh, that seemed like the wrong move to do. I suppose now they were two hundred. New Zealand were two hundred and twenty five or something like that behind. And then Kane Williamson just gets himself in like this amazing position. He goes past Ross Taylor for most Test runs ever for a Kiwi. Um, scores his 29th test, 28th Test 100 or something. Um, and then Harry Brook just comes on the bowl, bowls off the wrong foot and strangles Cameron Newson down the leg side. Then the next over, Bracewell forgets how to run and he sort of jumps mid-air over the stumps. Then um, then Ben Folks runs him out. There's something happening every single session with this side. Mm. And it's just, it's mm. just without a doubt, the most fun cricket to watch that I think I can actually recall, even like the great Australian team where we got bored of winning. Like this is just fun all the time. Oh, and I've got to say, it could have been more fun, especially for us, uh, when Stuart Broad walked to the crease <laughs> this morning, Australia time. A uh, lot of people online hoping the Hawk got it done. A lot of people online yeah. thinking the Hawk could get it done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, a <laughs> couple, couple, couple of swipes and it was all done. Uh, 
Got to say, yeah. there were two two parts of my brain there too. <laughs> okay, this, uh, in, ter- in terms of the online stuff, yeah, I, mm. you know, I I think the story of that game is the creation of a result from nothing, and yeah, like it's it it probably won't be the story. It'll probably be, oh, here's a rare uh, scenario of losing after enforcing the follow on. Uh, when it was one shot away from, or one wide away from, uh, you mm. know, Jimmy Anderson doing something extraordinary, or Jack Leach mm. again doing something extraordinary, which he did ultimately. Mm. I mean, look, I didn't think it was a wide in terms of my understanding of leg side wides in test matches, but up to that moment, they had been calling stuff that seemed pretty similar. But yeah, I mean, an umpire is just not going to do it in that situation. But um, there will be some tears, mm. that, no doubt. There'll be some online tears, and uh, that's good. Everyone mm. copes in their own way, online, offline, whatever your proclivity. Dolls, um, you know, dungeons, it's all good, uh, mm. really. No no mm. one's getting shamed here. <laughs> um, I mentioned before, Jimmy Anderson, now the number one ranked test bowl in the world. I think there's only been a handful of guys the age in the age of 40-plus uh, bracket. Um who have ever had that had that rank? I think Cum- he went past Cummins, and Cummins has had number one ranking for something like. Did I read it was like fourteen hundred days? That seems like way too many days. Uh, that's like almost five years in a row. That doesn't seem right. But I I, I I think he had it for a long period of time anyway. James Anderson obviously going past it now. Now Jack Leach has taken eight wickets in this game. He took five for in the second innings. He bowled sixty one overs. He seems to be going strength to strength, or, or he just seems to be finding a really um, a really balanced role in this England side, and and. He, you, you were saying this at the time, mate, when, when England were just the worst team I've ever seen come out to Australia. What was it, 18 months ago? And and and, and you were saying, like, oh, I, I see a team there and I don't think they're that far away. And now, like, it, it's it's 10 wins out of 12, so it was, it was so nearly 11 wins out of 12. Um, it's just change of leadership. And, and, and now the, the team is better than the sum of its parts, I feel like. Um, and now so let's think about how... How's Bairstow get back into this team? Obviously, Zach Crawley's had a lean run, or he continues to have a lean run, I suppose. Um, so maybe there's some options there, but uh, it is um, it is very close to the best team in the world. I don't know I don't know who or what the best team in the world is because it really depends where you play and when you play. But um, it it is it is just an amazing team with with strength everywhere. Harry Brook comes in, hits four hundreds out of five Test matches. What the fuck is that? And he's running down the wicket. Ollie Pope looks looks the business now as well. Um, ben Duckett comes in scoring runs. It's um, it's it's a it's a really good team, and they'll win the Ashes. Um, but um, so I suppose as an Australian, we should celebrate our Antipodean brothers um, and celebrate the Anzacs for getting it done. I'm gonna have a cookie later. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, ninety five percent. Sane commentary followed by I'm going to eat a cookie. Uh, um, friend, colleague, friend of the show, Dani Syed, he, he he noted the other day that Harry Brook averages uh, 100.88 in Test cricket, but averaged only 50.5 in Sydney grade cricket. So obviously found mm. Sydney grade cricket twice as hard, uh, which makes sense. Harry Brook of Hobart Hurricanes fame, uh, just um, I think on on the Grandstand Cricket Podcast, Corbin Middlemass said that in America they'd call him a jag, like just another guy, just a guy, uh, just nothing, nothing for Hobart Hurricanes. And now he's he's best since Bradman. 
Uh, so yeah, someone's got to be best since Bradman, and uh, that's that's Harry mm. Brook now because of mm. Brendan McCullum. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty good shit. Like I, I feel like across cricket this week, if there was to be a theme, it would be um, dark beers. In that, like, mm. I think there's a lot of dark beers happening in cricket at the moment. I mean, uh, the Aussies in India, their their beers would be very dark at the moment, as in you yeah. know, dark dark. Dark moods surrounding those beers. Uh, I think yeah. that we'll talk later about the um, hilarious and heinous and horrendous result in the WNCL with uh, South Australia losing five wickets in the final over to lose a game <laughs> when they needed one. There's some dark beers, you know. I think um, the Indian and uh, England women's teams who have been will have will have been drinking some dark beers, but for some reason. Yeah. And even I just saw Ben Stokes enter the field after this loss. Like the the real yeah. triumph of this team is like I bet those beers tonight are not dark from the England side. Like I bet that they've got so much credit in the bank they can lose a game by one run. And and, and I'm not saying they're drinking light beers, but they won't be dark mm. mood beers. They they'll be drinking with the New Zealand team with Brendan McCullum in the middle, probably naked, and it will be fucking great. Like not only are they doing. No innovative entertaining shit but there's like an old timiness to them now as well where it's like well we lost the game by a run let's all let's all have some you know nicely mood driven beers <laughs> mm, <laughs> which is how yeah. i kind of invite my wife on a date um nicely mood driven <laughs> beers darling uh anyway i have to go to I, hospital I would, once I would a week suggest that... <laughs> just to top up the old meds there uh, I, I would suggest Ben folks Ben folks might be having a dark beer but then he might just he might just um, take off his his robe and look in the mirror and think you know what things aren't so bad things, <laughs> he wouldn't know so a bad. dark beer if it fucking hit him in the head with that rig I mean please <laughs> he's got n- <laughs> with respect with respect to him yeah I'm not sure it's a rig uh, it's just the yeah. face it's just a gorgeous face Oh, the whole thing. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it is a. Fa- it's 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 yeah. the whole setup. It's it's holistic. It's comprehensive. It's um, yeah. It's 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 a joined up strategy vis a vis body presentation. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's talk about uh, unless there's anything else from this game. Um. I think we've celebrated uh, the game itself. I mean, it's it has been nice to see. Um, that uh, Harlem Prey Corp was not the worst run out of the week, though it was close. Michael Bracewell um, completely forgetting how to run and um, play the game of cricket has been a celebration point for many Australians here and Indians across the lands. Um, but let's talk about Australia winning the World Cup pairs. Australia win their sixth T20 World Cup, um, Elise Perry and Elisa Healy being part of every single one of those sides since 2000 and is it eight? Um it's uh, there's 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 talk about is this the greatest sports team ever? Um, it is. It's like twenty five wins out of thirty, two losses, uh, one tie, five no results or something since twenty twenty. They win every single game. They won the final by being just in complete control. They won the semi final from nowhere. Um, and should we start with the semi-final? Should we start with the semi-final, Australia versus India, where you and I were exiting uh, Mumbai Airport, um, dealing with uh, many military personnel and ducking uh, AK-47s um, outside, just just trying to refresh the Cricket Australia app, and just watching the meltdown, and just watching the complete chaos. And of course, the the, the main moment about that centres around Harman Preet um forgetting how to run herself and forgetting how to slide a bat properly. Um, 
digging the bat into the turf and then getting run out and then chucking her bat uh, when she got um, when she got run out. Now, uh, Alisa Healy made some comments uh, on the ABC. Um, the was that on Offsiders uh, when she said that um, during the weekend? She said, "Well, Harlan Pre can say she's unlucky all she likes, but um, you got to put the effort in." Now, of course, many people have highlighted that Harlan Pre was in hospital the day before. All well and good. All well and good. Um, that, that was closer to a three than a two. And I'm not, ha- I'm not really even necessarily having her like getting unlucky with the bat slide. It was just a horrible angle to try and slide your bat. She dug it in and she fucked up. It's, that's, that's all it was. It was, just a, it, was just a, it was just a fuck up. And then, um, and then I've got to say a lack of leadership being thrown by chucking your bat when the game is still on the line, that's shit house. That was that was a shit house. That's I mean that's that's not that's not leadership. That was that was poor. I thought so. Those two things are my opinion, and they're right. So um, that makes me happy, and I'll sleep well at night. And no one's gonna let me know how I'm wrong in the comments or why I'm racist. So um, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Ali- I, I love that Elisa Healy uh, commented on it. I suppose you do that. With the WPL contract um, signed, you yeah. know, save mm. that there's yep. a that's a legally binding document uh, for one. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> she played brilliantly, Harman Preet Kaur. I mean, really brilliant. You know, India brilliant. were on, India were on their merry way, chasing a record World Cup score. Uh, we, we managed mm. to catch a fair amount of the Aussies' innings from our hotel in Mumbai, and yeah, it was a strange score in that, like, it was it was one seventy two for four. I thought there was, you know, like India. India dropped a whole bunch of catches, made a whole bunch of misfield. They made some. They made several fundamental mistakes. The Aussies, though, they made one seventy two. It was a flurry at the end. You know, they they weren't hitting gaps either. It wasn't a fluent performance, and and yet they only con- you know only conceded four wickets. So I thought it was a strange score. I wondered if there was more in the tank there or or, or what. You know, people batting for red. Uh, no, but um, <laughs> and then India were just uh, were just bossing it. Really, it's you know th- through I-, I know that through refreshing the Cricket Australia app and Harman Preet. No, I mean looked at it afterwards, and Harman Preet Kaur was uh, was playing brilliantly until that you know very poor piece of running. And yeah, it's amazing the um, mm-hmm. the the amount of defence mounted, you know, for for Harman Preet Kaur at home for that piece of cricket. I mean, I, I know here in Australia, Elise Perry on a number of occasions has welcomed. Uh, like, what's what were the word? Robust criticism, you know, of of the women's team mm-hmm. for for cricket skills as a sign of respect for cricketers. And you know, like I haven't detected a lot of criticism for Harman Preet Kaur in that situation. Yes, she played well, but it was a very poor piece of running, and it was a very poor piece of conduct after that running. You know, you like. You know, I threw my bat in under 11s when I got out once and my dad absolutely gave it to me. And, you know, it's made me the man I am today. That is a, um, you know, a YouTuber. And um, uh, <laughs> I don't know if my dad, don't know if my dad's changed his number. Uh, no, that's, that's unfair. God, my dad cops it. A good relationship with him. Anyway, throwing, throwing your bat on the field as a national leader is very ordinary, not only as a piece of conduct in and of itself, but... Um, as a message to your team, as you point out, here goes. Yeah. And it's exactly the kind of thing that leads to the gas truck situation that we saw afterwards. Oh. Uh, it was a, it was yep. a gas truck. It was shit the bed, uh, and, uh, and and the Aussies did the rest. Ended up winning sort of semi comfortably when they shouldn't have. And uh, but but I tell you what, like more broadly than that, apart from that, you know, huge moment. 
uh, you know, <laughs> India's coming. <laughs> India's coming for Australia. I feel like in the last couple of, you know, they need that breakthrough win. They're going to need a little bit of luck because yeah. to topple a side of this dominance in any kind of sport is requires a little bit of luck and something magical to happen. And like it will, come, it will come for India. I think they've be, they've been knocking on the door to beat Australia for quite mm. a while. It, it it will come, but in the meantime, I mean, I noted Mel Jones after they won the World Cup. Uh, that the actual final Australia, uh, describing it as a second hat trick of World Cups, and I was like immediately online, brains like second hat trick or double hat trick, and then mm. what is that? Is that is that four? Mm. Is that four or six? Uh, which is, which are some of the mm. bigger questions, and yeah, I, I like that the question with the Australian women's team now is, well, where was their gong or their nomination for the Loros Sports yeah. Awards Team of the Year? You know, where's that? I mean, I don't tune into it ever other than when the men were involved in 2002. I don't know what it is. I don't know what a Loro is, if I'm even saying it right. Mm. You know, Loro was mm. my third grade captain at Norths. Uh, yeah. And, and they had different awards that he was he was <laughs> handing out, believe me. Um, uh, um, very, some very traumatic <laughs> stuff there. But yeah, I mean, yeah. The Argentina men's football team is in there. I mean, Australia was a bee yeah. stick from knocking them off. You know, they yeah, don't hold on. a candle to, to, to Lanning they and lost Co. The, they lost to Saudi Arabia. Come on. What's that? You say, come on. Well, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, they lost to Saudi Arabia. That can happen, I guess. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all going to lose to Saudi Arabia one day. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, economically. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I sort um, of feel like I started of, talking about 14 minutes ago. So, yeah. Hell of a weekend for the Saudis. Um, bit, of, bit of boxing, bit of live, bit of live golf. Uh, Ronaldo scoring hat tricks. Uh, what else happened? Uh, something else happened over there. Just it's it's all it's all mm. good stuff. Um, yeah. So just just to, just to wrap up that um, that absolute gas truck in the in the uh, semi final there. So Harman Precourt made fifty two of thirty four. She was outstanding. And then when she was run out, the score was five for one hundred thirty three. They were chasing one seventy two. So they needed forty to win off uh, thirty uh, four balls, something like that. Um, with with six wickets in hand when that when that moment happened, and they end up falling falling five runs short. The second last over was bowled by Jess Johnson, who was outstanding. Elise Perry made that crucial save, I think, on the first ball of the over uh, of oh, Jess Johnson. What a save that um, was! Which was which was unbelievable. Just the athleticism. That, that's actually one thing I have noticed between a difference between the two sides. I mean, this is like Australian fielding and South African fielding in like the nineties and two thousands when they were sort of the top two teams. It's just that the athleticism that the Australian women have is just it, it does it does feel superior to other sides, and that was just a moment of that. Now, Alexa Healy did drop, I think, Harman Precourt twice. Well, she dropped two catches. It might have been Harman Precourt both times. So, when say Australia were perfect, but it was good enough uh, for Australia to get the job done. But you're right, Pez. It does feel like India are coming. Beth uh, Beth Mooney made 54 in that in the first innings there. Now she obviously continued in that form into the semi final when South Africa, who had beaten England in the other semi final. Uh, and therefore making their very first Cricket World Cup final. Um, uh, ben Beth Mooney does it again, hitting 74 red. She's also been named the Gujarat Titans captain in the WPPL, in the WPL rather. Um, she's also won the Belinda Clark medal this year. She has scored four, 50, four scores of 50 or more in four separate World Cups. She becomes the first woman to score uh, 50s in back-to-back World Cup finals. Um, it's uh, it's fucking unbelievable. Now Australia, it felt like in this game weren't really challenged, um, and it did feel like uh, 
once South Africa did make the final, despite having the home advantage, it would be an enormous um, upset if South Africa did win that final. But um, but Australia just there's just so much quality. I mean, it does. It I think I think it does. Uh, it raises an interesting question about where this Australian team ranks in terms of all time greatest teams. I mean, there are very fair arguments in terms of like, well, the sport is not fully professional across all countries. Um, they only play against a handful of nations anyway. But that so that those those are those are fair criticisms against this being such a um, you know historic greatest team of all time. But but then I'm looking at like Talia McGrath, who is one of the world's best players, and she's batting eight in the World Cup final, and she averages like a hundred at a hundred and forty-two strike rate, averages eighteen with the ball, and she's barely she bowled four overs in the tournament. And I think faced forty balls or something. So it is it is kind of hard to tell just how great they are. But if you win three World Cups in a row, I mean, even if you had like a really good school team, <laughs> like winning like three in a row. Is fucking amazing. It's amazing, and I think that was the point that Wally Daly was making when he asked Meg Lanning um, if he was playing against the under twelves, um, which uh, which was an interesting take. It was an interesting, t- and also congratulating Meg Lanning on her five for twelve against New Zealand, despite that being a different person altogether. Um, so uh, I don't know. World Cup final. I'm seeing Australia win and won by nineteen runs. It wasn't even close. We said last week that Australia going to win the World Cup on Sunday, and that kind of you know it's it's a it's an era of uncertainty, Pez. Uh, but one thing I can rely on is Australian women representing our country proudly and winning World Cups. And that makes me feel really good. So, job done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're the best cricket team we've produced. Just the, and, and the fact that it is <clears throat> more professionalised than other countries is just a... Uh, it's it's just a tip of the hat to those who professionalised it. You know, getting in first, it's a it's a holistic effort, and uh, and and some of the cricket they produce is is just excellent. And you know, I, I noted uh, Megan Shute was saying that I was really surprised to hear Meg Lanning swear before they went out into the field. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, which is not something that she does. She said, Let's fucking go, she said, which. I mean, it's funny. It's easy. It's easy to kind of praise that stuff like that in retrospect. You know, had they lost, it would have been like, oh, Meg Lanning was saying things that they don't usually say. You know, or needing she something wasn't different. Right, she wasn't right mentally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all know what happens to great Australian teams when when they win all the time. They get bored and start doing new shit. Like again, how many times do I have to say it with Steve Waugh get, getting Brett Lee and the piece in and start sledging and stuff mm-hmm. like that? I mean, maybe you know, this is maybe this is the next evolution of the women's team. I'm not saying get Brett Lee in to see his piece. I'm saying, I'm saying. <laughs> You know, <laughs> though that would be novel. <laughs> hey, what would? Yeah. Who among us wouldn't want that? Uh, but yeah, more. You know, do they start sledging now? Uh, you know, do they? You know, do, like, I mean, what, do they get John Buchanan in? Do they start? Do they start doing camps? Uh, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, boot camps, um, did, you know, do they start ostracizing people who don't want to be fit and stuff or like, not that I think that's the case in this, in this side, but yeah, I look, yeah. they're the best. I think they're the best going around. And, and I think it's worth noting, like still it's, they, they still evolve. Ash Gardner is a much more prominent figure in this side now than, uh, she used to be. She's taken on a, um, a, a really important role in the team. She's closing out games, made some important scores. Beth Mooney didn't start this tournament very well in in, um, in the warm up games and in the early uh, early fixtures as well. Uh, she she was failing with the bat. She's come good. Elise Perry has you know found another era for herself. She's unlocked her 
ability to play T20 cricket from a scenario where she was struggling and she couldn't get much out of her body. I, I think that's another sign of what a champion she is. And Meg Lanning has come back from um, a stint away from the game due to mental ill health where she was pulling coffees you know, uh, at, at a Melbourne cafe to captain the side with strong individual performances. So, and they've got a new coach, you know, Shelly Nitschke as well. So it's out of the Matthew Mott era, out of the Mott ball era. Uh, hell of a smell to it. And and she's imposed herself on the team as well. So they, they continue to evolve, which is always a sign of a really good culture and a good unit that you can you can continue to do it with new iterations. Because I haven't, I haven't seen this group at Gallipoli though, so I don't know what they've got against the troops. Oh, it's the next, it's the next, um, it's and, the next trip, yeah. And and That's and the, the freedoms trip. that they fought, you know, so so they mm. could go on and win multiple World Cups, two three peats, you know. Like I don't, I don't, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Tylee McGrath in a slouch hat. Um, mm. I haven't seen them draping themselves in Aussie flags. I haven't seen any mm. Southern Cross tattoos. These are these are mm. these are signs that this this. This team is not respecting the origins of this great country. Mm. Um, you know, then, then again, sort of like you give them time, they might, um, you know, they might start to acknowledge some of the new frontier wars that we deal with, which mainly happen online. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it will be a visit to the Reddit offices uh, or to yep. uh, you know Silicon yep. Valley to some of the early days of uh, tech startups uh, over over there. You yep. know, the um, the great, uh, you know, that that great. One about um, what fucking colour is this dress or some shit? Uh, you know Love these it. these. <laughs> Could have researched that yeah. one, but yeah, you know, like I think give them time. <laughs> I think I think they're at the stage now where they're getting tired of winning, as Donald Trump uh, once said uh, really presciently, and now they have to start confecting ways to stay interested. So it'll be interesting to see which wars they turn to, whether um, you know, historic, um, physical battles or whether it was more of a digital war um that they maybe, that they maybe some culture wars stuff. to commemorate culture wars that they be commemorating yeah. etc maybe they turn back to the to the wars between the the male generations of cricketers you know that, that that's going sure. on as well at the moment so i i, I mm. think we should give them some time to decide how they want to do that i would like to see a men are from mars women, women are from venus uh discussion i want to see more of that maybe, maybe on a reddit ama um, I think that could be a yeah. rabbit hole that we could we could all appreciate this side going down whilst being draped in, uh, of course, the Australian flag. Um, Pez, the, <laughs> the top of the UNCL um, is a tournament that you and I followed closely. Uh, and Tasmania and South Australia uh, were, uh, were into the final. Tasmania had won the competition last year. Uh, Elise Villani of Tasmanian, uh, scored 110 off 126 for Tasmania in the first innings. And uh, South Australia were chasing 239, sorry, they were chasing 243 via the Duckworth-Lewis method. They lost a couple of overs there. Now, heading into that last over, South Australia were 239 for five. Therefore, they needed four runs off the last over. Uh, Sarah Coit uh, was bowling the last over. Sarah Coit uh, who I still believe bo- uh, plays for uh, Campbelltown Camden. Uh, she also had a uh, a brother who represented New South Wales for a few games. Who played for the same club. He also captained that first grade side. So, um, but anyway, so, she, so she's bowling still for does. Tasmania. Still does. So she's bowling for Tasmania. South Australia need four runs off the last over, and South Australia managed to lose five wickets for two runs, and they lose the game by a run. Now I don't know if I have ever seen. 
a more absurd finish to a game, except for perhaps the Isle of Man versus Spain result this early this week, where Isle of Man got by that for 10, and Spain chased that um, two, two down, hitting 13 somehow. Um, so no, which one two of those balls, is more mean? absurd for you? Two balls, sorry. Two, sorry, two yeah. balls. Two balls, my mistake. Yeah. yeah. Two now means sort of it, it was on. Um, yeah. <laughs> for the Isle <laughs> of Man, ones. that is. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, which was more absurd. I've got to say with the WNCL final, I'm, I was, you know, you know that meme where there's a, um, there's a sicko by the window just saying, yes, yes. Like, uh, I, you know, maybe Charlie can clip that up. Uh, I'll, I'll have to send it to you. Like I, I was kind of <laughs> looking, I was kind of, uh, yeah, no, friends have, friends have told me about it. I don't know about it at all, actually. Okay, but, right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> I look at it like that because I, I'm surprised this doesn't happen more in cricket. I mean, like one thing I've, you know, one of the saddest developments in cricket via the increasing professionalism of the game is the sheer coldness of players to pressure situations. You know, they're, they're, mm. they have – most players have worked out how to defeat cricket, mentally speaking. I mean, what England's doing is a massive example of that. You know, like the, the moment cricket became a game where players – captains who won the toss wanted to chase because it was easier to work out what you needed to do to win, there was a certain, like um, – disconnect between the amateur, the club player, the the everyday cricketer and the professional at that moment because anyone who's played the game at a non-professional level completely understands what happens to your head and your heart and your soul when you actually have expectations placed upon you. You know, the idea of the yips, the idea of not being able to do basic things that you used to be able to do, a scrambled head, panic, these kind of like quite rational reactions to things that you want to achieve as part of what makes the game great and funny. And I'm surprised there aren't more scenarios where like, it's like, we need one to win. We've managed to cobble together 239 runs for the loss of only four or five wickets. So generally speaking, Mm -hmm. we're only losing them every so often, but now we're going to lose five of the same number of wickets for one run. And that's, that's purely mental. It's just because, you know, it's not because we're facing Coity. And many times I stood at the other end to, to a brother Scott, you know, and people were yelling out from the rabies sidelines, knock his fucking block off, Coity. Go, Coity. <laughs> but that, that's neither here nor there. And he was quick. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, I'm kind of pleased to see that this still exists. Okay, it's... Very, very, very extreme example of it to the point where you might start mm. asking some questions. But really, it's a story of um, Sarah Coit bowling really well. There was a wonderful stumping from Mannix Jeeves there as well. Uh, and th- just the ultimate bed shit uh, followed by dark beers. Um, there was a run out also as well from uh, Amanda Jade Wellington was at the non-strikers mm. end and uh, the ball was mm. crunched back towards Sarah Coit and then she's... She- she seemed to deliberately defect, deflect yep. it onto the stumps, yes. which was fucking yes. genius. So, so I, I will celebrate yep. all those things, but I really do like the connection between us as idiots and yep. also professional athletes. There needs to be yes. more of this sort of thing. Many people have said over, over the course of time that there should just be one random person in each Olympic event to, to understand how good these athletes are. Many people have said that. Now... We, we, when we were watching, uh, when we were updating the score in the line at Mumbai Airport for the Australia and India semi-final, and it was it was forty to win off thirty-five or whatever it was, and we were saying at the time it's too many, it's too many. 
Oh, we lose mm. this. This the, the team. The team chasing loses this game eleven times out of ten because it's too many mm. in not enough time. It's too many runs. I'm too scared. Now I don't like when I watch the IPL and the chasing team names twenty eight of the last two overs, and I already know that they that's that's going to be done with four balls to spare. I already know that. Yeah. Because they've got these guys are too good. The execution is too strong. They've got too many options. Mm. It's like an Ian Healy masterclass. You've actually got six different shops, shots mm. for the same delivery and shops as well. You can sort of monopolize areas mm. and chops mm. afterwards if you succeed. <laughs> Ben Folks would have had six different chops, let me tell you. Had he got it done, unfortunately for him, I quite For every one, scenario. <laughs> six different chops. <laughs> but when chops. I see but when I see people in the dressing room not saying anything and they've got the pads on and there's like three people padded up too many, then I'm thinking like, I know the bed shit's on. I know there's gonna be shit all through this bed. And and then once, you know, it's it's it was a similar thing to when uh, Joe Root ran out Harry Brook without facing a ball in in the in the Test match. Here it was just like um, there's there's always there's always chaos happening. I mean, I guess basketball in itself is is inherently chaos, but it does make me feel relatable because often I'm watching professional mm. cricket. And I, I don't know what I don't know what that's like. These guys don't know what it's like to mm. move the side screen, to put the covers on, faking that you did that you forgot to bring tea. They don't know what it's like, but they do know what it's like to mm. shit the bed in a run chase. And so when I watch that, I'm thinking satisfaction. That's well, satisfaction. Yeah, every every so often, exactly, and it goes beyond cricket. We all bed. I shit. could have played. Like some sometimes with medical issues in and of themselves, but we mm. all bed shit in life when we want things. You know, stuffing up an interview, stuffing up a date. You know, all of a sudden, like someone says to you, "Name a song." Can't name one. You've just asked me to do it. I can't think Never of it. Never heard one. You know, like Never like I, I I don't like the psychological vulnerability of cricket being defeated by professionalism. You know, like I marvel at it sometimes as you think from afar, like look at what these robots can do. And I wonder about the other mm. areas of vacancy in their life. And then I forget about mm. it because something I have to scroll uh, and then and then that's and then I die. But like really I like when the, the like psychological frailty catches up with pro cricketers. And that's why I actually commend the South Australia women's team on this situation for their service to the game. Uh, and yeah. Oh, so, so I think well done, South Australia, and I and I hope that they were some <laughs> good and dark beers. Yeah, exactly. No matter no matter what happens in the game, if you're watching on TV and you think I could have done that, that makes you feel closer to those players and that team. So I've got I found myself a new fan of the South Australian women's team. Um, also, find it like in professional sports, like actually any level of sport, if you make the grand final, but then you lose in circumstances which aren't like. Um, which aren't sort of uh, acceptable by by whatever standards it might be. You might get like you know, in AFL terms, you know the Swans last year had a great had a great season, right? But then they got punted by a hundred points in the final. Now now they're the worst team ever. You know, um, Man United lost a, a Europa Europa League final um, maybe a couple of years ago against a team they should have beaten. Then it was like, see, not good enough. But you can make it all the way South Africa, South Australia, and indeed South Africa um, went all the way to the highest the highest standard you can reach in that sport you can reach the pinnacle of the sport and then you fall over and you go you are the worst bunch of idiots that i've ever seen and that's the beauty of sport unless you win it's it's be good or fuck off i mean that's really what it comes down to yep. um in, yeah in, should we in, talk indeed. about uh should we talk about uh the third test of the india and australia series um uh the main talking points 
The very main talking point from an Australian perspective is that Pat Cummins will not be returning to the third test. His mother is in palliative care. Um, so obviously everyone around the country and indeed the world um, would be wishing um, uh, Pat their, their deepest thoughts and condolences and, and the Cummins family indeed. Um, it's, uh, I was thinking, I was just thinking over the course of, over the course of the last few weeks, Pez maybe even being in India, like, um, it becomes increasingly apparent over time that Australia have been the bad guys for basically our entire lives. No, in fact, it has been our entire life and perhaps, perhaps even before you and I were born. Australia were the bad guys. But I think Australia has finally, no, I think, I think definitely Australia has found itself the most globally popular captain. Uh, in Pat Cummins, um, and and when obviously when Australia lose and and the you know the former greats say well he's um he's not hard enough or whatever, um, and then you find out news like this or or in a similar situation when Mitch Stark's father passed away when uh, that was during the 2020, 2021 India series at home and you think about these guys being real people, and I think that Australia having a, a captain that they can be so proud of. Um, in some in some capacity, it feels like this this news hits a little bit harder, where he's had to leave the tour to go home, and that's obviously the right thing to do. But um, but I think there's been a, a a global feeling of love for the Australian captain, which I think for the first time in my life has it, it is the first time that's ever happened. You know. Mm. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, as you say, from the top, all, all you can do is. Um, offer your thoughts to you know him and his family and um, I yeah I, I mean I suppose it contextualizes things a little bit uh, may, but maybe not too much either uh, in terms of his performance in the first two tests uh, you just feel for you just feel for him and his family and it probably doesn't go much further than that I, I'm Ed Cowan on the on the grandstand cast he, he spoke really compellingly and beautifully about a um, similar situation he experienced when he was playing test cricket um, with his mum. And uh, he didn't say too much more but other than, other than to confirm that uh, it absolutely would be impacting your mind while playing cricket. And, uh, and so he's done the right thing, Cummins, and he's got all the support of the team and it seems to me the public as well, which has been great to see um, some unification on, on that kind of thing. And, uh, and mm. I think he, he asked for, you know, privacy from the media during that time. And it, I think it's good to see everybody um, respecting that. Mm. So I presume that means that Steve Smith will captain, which must be the second or third time he's captain since the leadership ban has been lifted. So he would captain. Uh, Mitch Stark is available. So in terms of Australian selections, I presume that Stark will just come in for, um, for Pat Cummins because the wicket is likely to spin, um, as I understand it. Ashwin oh, has uh, 18 wickets. That. Yeah, no, yeah, completely bizarre set of circumstances. They're going to change things up and make it spin. But um, but that is what's going to happen. Uh, this test match was obviously going to be in Dharamshala, which is uh, supposed to be the most beautiful, picturesque ground. Um, not much internet, though, apparently. Um, so how are you going to ship post online and win, win the battle online if you can't post from there? So it's obviously fairly, it's fairly obvious why they moved that test match to indoor. Um so I guess Stark will just come straight in. He said that he is just he's not he's not necessarily 100 percent fit, um, but it is as good as as good as it's going to be for the next little while. Um, and I think he also said that if he only played test matches where he was 100 percent fit, he would have played five or ten tests. So that's the kind of hard edge 
that I like to see. So I think Australia 2-1 after this test match. Um, that'll be pretty good. Yeah, uh, I, I read that Stark said they're coming out well. You know, he's bowling quite quick, which is good because he might be able to hit that um, green part of the wicket, like covering the middle third. Uh, so if he actually shortens them up and stuff, he might actually extract a bit of pace out of that deck. So uh, that, yep. you know, that's quite heartening. Uh, I, yep. I, I, I suppose my, um, you know, like we've, ha- we've all had a little bit of time to settle down after the events of Delhi and, and prior to that Nagpur and, and, and work out what comes next for the Aussies. And, and I wanted to submit to the podcast, he goes, um, the best set of recommendations that I've come across uh, since that loss, um, if you wouldn't mind me presenting it. This is from um, Greg Chappell, a piece from um, piece from Greg last week in the nine papers, so yeah, the SMH and the Age. And he actually um, amazingly appears, he appears to have solved the issue of Australia um, in India, winning test matches in India in one 800-word article. Uh, wow. And I hope, along with Heelzo's um, sweeping masterclass in front of the dustbin, uh, the metal yeah. dustbin, that, that, that Ronnie Max had a look at this as well. So um, I just want, I'm just i going to summarize the article. Look, uh, maybe we'll put it in the show notes, uh, unlikely. But, uh, you know, just type in Greg Chappell SMH and it'll be the first one. Um, but um, uh, it, it, it was just – I think that the headline was something to do with, like, just, just you know, two things you've got to do. Uh, to solve the issue, so um, and it appears that the two the two things Australia has to do is pick their best team and don't sweep. Uh, so um, also, I noted that okay. he said they have to play with energy and grit. Uh, so just a note okay. to the boys if they are, if they are listening to the show, if um, down on energy and grit, just have a have a look at topping that up. A um, couple of other recommendations Greg made. Um, he says. Opening, especially in the first innings, is the best time to bat in these conditions. So one of these guys must get runs if Australia is to post a competitive score. So I think we're looking at Travis Head opening the batting in this game with Warner having returned home now, he goes. Yeah. Uh, so Hetty and Kawaja, just a recommendation from Greg Chappell there. Um, one must score runs. So take that, just note okay. that. Um, okay. Now, So that'd be part of notes- the team talk, would you say? We just say before they go. Well, once someone has to get runs, like, someone at the top has to. It's simple. It's hard. It's hard. It's, it's someone's got to get runs there, uh, and then guys. Some, he guys, also got to get. Wait, sorry, before you, before you go, guys. Sorry, one, one of you guys got to get runs. Okay. Yep. One of the top two, if you want to win, because uh, it's one easier to bat then. Yeah. And yep. okay. he he notes it's hard to get forward because Jadeja and Ashwin are spearing into the deck, but despite that, you've got to get forward. Uh, so. Okay. Noting that. Um, yep. He also mentions that Labuschagne and Smith have to make runs. So oh, okay. Now three. Okay, now yeah, 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 yeah. So um, my favourite part was... Four, they? Yes, you're three and four have to make runs. Uh, so okay. get forward, make run, three out of four guys make runs. Um, now, the, okay. the, my favourite one, there's a couple of dots here, was... And this is a quote. One plan that should be considered is that the rest of the batting lineup bat around them and build partnerships... So, I don't know about you. If you've played in a team, maybe you've batted, maybe you've opened, maybe you've batted five or six, and your two best bats are three and four, and there's an edict that they must score runs. You walk out to bat, and you think I actually have to bat around them. Um, So, and and not only that, I have to build partnerships, which kind of begs the question: When are you going out to bat and and not building a partnership? 
Like, like when you, like, mm. you know, when you, um, and so, and, and how do you bat around someone? Like, I understand maybe batting around someone who's like s- smashing them, you know, just get off strike or something. But how, like, normally when you go out and bat, you're just trying to, you're just trying to score runs and stay in, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, well, sometimes, I mean, uh, I mean, if there's a particularly over, overweight chap, um, you sort of don't want to get in their way. You sort of have to bat around them in that capacity. Um, I'm not sure if there's any BMI issues uh, mm. in, an, in an index sense no, uh, in the Australian side. Skinnies are good. Yeah, but there's been quite yeah. a few days between test matches two and three, so it depends where they've been eating. Yeah. It is hard to say. There could be quite a... Like, I, calorie, I understand... Surplus. Like, like I, I, I think... Well, I'm not sure I fully understand it yet, but I think I understand the concept of getting around somebody and in and around oh, yeah, yeah, them yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. We've discussed that for course, several years on this show um, in a in a concentric circle. But uh, batting around someone is a new. I want it must be a cousin of getting around someone. Just bat bat around. So so that so he also says that's a plan that should be considered. Like the, so, they're sitting down evaluating plans. They've maybe got two or three ideas there as two or three plans, and these are the things that go up on the whiteboard. And one of them is bat around guys and and build partnerships. So that's okay. They, he, Greg's just saying consider that as a plan. Now, um, there's more if you wouldn't mind, because because I'm actually espousing as a way of amplifying um, Greg's solutions here. Um, he says that Hanscom has to turn a cameo into an innings of note. Uh, so, so presumably by that cameo, he meant 72 not out. Uh, in Delhi, he's actually got to turn that when he ran out of partners. He's got to turn that into an innings of note. Right. Um, and then he also says, "This is a quote: One thing we know is that getting a start in these conditions is tough. So if one does the hard work, one must cash in and get a score. So if you get in, don't get out. Score more runs." <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's uh, a good point. So, yeah. Uh, cause some, I don't know about you. I mean, this is true of Gregory. Sometimes I do get in and then I get out cause, but he's, um, he's saying actually don't do that. Um, you got to actually do the hard work. Okay. Um, a couple more nearly, nearly there. Cause I'm just solving this. Okay. This, he yeah. says the Australian lower order, lower order is not as gifted as their Indian counterparts. Now I actually accept that. He said, but they must work a lot harder than they have so far. And now no solution in Australian That's cricket is complete without the recommendation to simply work hard hard oh yeah 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so um there's nothing Is softer it? than a than a cross bat shot though like uh, once again the like the politics and morality of a straight bat versus a cross bat shot is there's mm. there's a there's a fucking doctorate in that there, there's a thesis <clears throat> um, was, okay. there, was there any was You're there gone. anything about sort of was there anything in there about um, running hard between the wickets but t- not taking any silly singles or being aggressive hmm. but also playing at each ball on its merits? Was there anything yeah, in that sort of field? Um, well, not n- not really. But this might um, this might be in the same family as that. He says. Okay. The Australian public are rightly incensed that our team has shown so little fight in the series so far. It's it's fight that we've lacked. It's these the these yeah. goddamn crossbat shots. Not enough fight. Um, sights of batsmen being dismissed playing the reverse sweep first ball and playing as though this series is... And this is the big one. And playing as though this series is not critical to the future. 
that rankles, he says. So once again, the guys mm. who got out early sweeping or reverse dogging, you know, Carey, Matt Kuhneman, etc. I'd be going up mm. to them if I'm kind of paraphrasing Greg's solutions. I'm going up and I'm saying, do you, are you playing this series as though it's critical to the future or not? And, <laughs> and I'd be very curious as to their responses, you know, because I'm Alex Carey and I'm going, oh my God, is this, cr- I, that is a, this is an absolute silver bullet for me, Greg, with, with, with Ashwin averaging 13 and Jadeja averaging 11 into I, heavily prepared wickets. Like, well, hang on. This is critical to the future, Alex. Done. Ton. Do you know, do you know what my favourite bit about all of this commentary so far um, from some of the greatest players and people that we've ever produced <laughs> is that there's, there's been no commentary on what to do if you, don't which way, if you don't know which way the ball's spinning because that would be just re- – that would be completely um, – redu- be a waste of time talking about <laughs> – There is commentary, guys, mate. I, it's very I, simple. You've got to fight. <laughs> guys, I don't know which way it's spinning or how much it's spinning or why some balls turn and some, some don't. But what I am doing is box a size twice a week. So <laughs> – just letting oh, you know, well. I'm up for it. I'm up for it. I watched Tommy Fury the Fuck other boxer night size, uh, against Jake Paul, so I'm I'm up for it. I'm up for this Why fight. Just start, Can start we go to Gloopley on the way home? Well, there's not been not been enough Gloopley. There's not been enough fighting. And uh, as and Greg said, just to round this out off, he he says, you know, as one former first class player said in relation to this whole circus, what mm. the fuck is going on? <laughs> that's, that's the quote. <laughs> no, I like I like that he protects the identity <laughs> of the former first class player. Obviously that yeah. play never played for Australia too, uh, which I like about that. Now um like uh so so that's the I understand that's the tenor of the conversation here at the moment, you know. F- look, I, I look, I'm being a bit obtuse, you know, fight fight means sort of application, you know, when you get in. Like pe- people observe um Sure. Early sweep shots, high risk shots for for runs without playing yourself in as as lacking application. So so I understand that word they're using is fight. I get it. Uh, I think that um, I mean, gee, you really wouldn't want to get out sweeping in the next game. <laughs> Indoor, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're going to see a lot of straight bats uh, in this game. Yeah. You know, I, ex- I I just want to make one point. We probably could have said it last week, but. One thing that has surprised me about the wash-up after last week's game in Delhi is the comments from the coaches that all the players went away from their game. Like a lot of players went away from their own plans. Uh, that that the result of like a kind of epidemic of sweeping was we're meant to believe this was somehow a coincidence like that this was not a team-based plan, that coincidentally four or five players who never sweep all started sweeping and it was just a coincidence that that was the plan that they landed upon individually without conversation with anybody else. It doesn't right. seem to stack up to me. It looks more like there was an agreement that the, that we'll bring in the broom out, you know, to score runs quickly under the whole idea that, um, you know, there's one with your name on it. And... Just two things on that. One, I can probably understand the players protecting the coaches in the current environment, uh, you know, uh, because if if it had emerged that the coaches had said we're brooming, they'd be strung up on those live wires we saw in Hyderabad um, probably by Mm. 
four or five of the greatest to ever play for Australia. But <clears throat> secondly, the whole like one with your name on it idea is um, it's really sad. I think I think it's a sad uh, result of what happens when you bring a team to India and give them like, you know. You, their preparation is to is to scratch up Bear Park two and then give them a net in Bangalore for a week and say go on, prepare yourself for the heavyweight bout against Ashwin and Jadeja. I mean the saddest like you, you watch like, um, they they will get better in indoor and then at Ahmedabad. Uh, like they'll get better and then by the, but but the damage has been done. Like there's lots of places where we observe the decline of Test cricket, like Trent Bolt. Um, not taking up a national contract that's tangible you know or like South Africa not even playing the code <laughs> that much anymore but there's the, the, the subtle one that we're seeing here is um, is is that scenario where you bring a team with all of the ability and all the weaponry of the Aussie bats and I do think they have the fundamental ability but you don't give them the preparation they need to take on these masters and that's what results in what we saw last week of like well we're going to get out so let's sweep and I just think that's like a real sign of the decline of Test cricket um, more broadly. I think there's a logical reason why they didn't play straight in that game, <laughs> you know, because they just thought, no, I'm going to get out anyway. Uh, and, yeah, I do note that Bredig, Bredig has said that there's more sharp spin on the menu in indoor. <laughs> Colour me shocked. And so what the Aussies have to do is actually get Doss in um, with his actual broom. Well, yeah, or just use your feet, gets one of the full. Um, or, and just finally, he goes, like a... oh, yeah, just, just one more thing. Just to just to really round out where we are with things, I note that um, one of the guys who's been taking a lot of wickets, you might have heard of him, Ravi Chandran Ashwin, uh, has <laughs> has very successful YouTube channel. And he's, um, his most recent uh, post that he's published is entitled 2-0. How to bat against spin in India. That's the confidence reckon... of the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is quite something. That is quite something. Uh, if if Jadeja and Ashwin played for Australia again, and they were bowling against India's batters, would Australia be leading the series? I don't know. I don't know. It'd be close though. Um, to to your point though about preparation um, or lack thereof for Australia. Obviously, Australia decided not to have a warm up game in India because last time in 2017 they were given a green seamer to prepare on, so they thought that was a waste of time. Um, um, which is interesting that they can actually prepare those kind of wickets in India. That's weird. Um, and uh, <laughs> and and Ashton Agar, who has played what three first class games, uh, red ball games over the last uh, 15 years or whatever. Um, has been has returned home and he is playing for Western Australia. He played. He must have played against um, Tasmania uh, during the week uh, or over the course of the weekend. Um, and he's preparing uh, for the White Ball series, the upcoming White Ball series in India in that uh, that three ODI series by playing Sheffield Shield cricket. It's um, it's confusing messaging. Um, it's sort of it seems a little unclear about who has taken control of that decision. Um, Ashton has come out and said that he was great communication with the selectors. I thought that they implied that um, that he had said to them that the ball wasn't coming out for him the way that he wanted to, that then that was seemed to be refuted. Um, whatever the case, it's, um, uh, I'm not sure if it's been mistreatment necessarily, but, um, but something has gone on 
maybe we're just seeing the material decline of, of Test Match cricket given that these guys need to be playing in the Big Bash because that's the most important thing. It's more important than us losing a series 4-0 India every four or five years. But uh, actually, going home is odd. It, it, it's, it, it is odd. And him being picked in the first place is odd, as was his performance in the last Test Match at the SCG against South Africa. So I don't, I don't, I don't know, but it just feels like um, nah, Big Bash more important. So... I don't know. That's what I feel. Oh, it is. I mean, do you, I mean, which um, you know, what what moves the dial more for Cricket Australia's broadcast rights and overall revenues? Like um, succeeding in a like a um, a heavyweight bout for the ages against India away in the most challenging Test environment available to players in the modern era, or Steve Smith scoring a hundred in Coffs Harbour. I mean, the fact that. Smith, Smith's ton in Coffs Harbour is the thing that moves the dial. And I think that the Cricket Australia's uh, investments in the national team are made accordingly, you know. I mean, I think that Ashton Agar's uh, trip home halfway through the tour is one of the saddest things I've seen, um, not just for him but for Australian cricket for a very long time. Like I note your comments about what actually went on before that, you know, up to that moment, it, it seems that there's um, competing views about why he headed home. Whether it was um, him deselecting himself or the selectors doing doing that, we're never really going to know until someone tells you after ten beers in three years' time. Uh, but uh, and it has to be ten. Uh, but mm. but it's one of the saddest things in the sense that. Like here is it, whether he said they're not coming out right or not. Like that that your um, one of your pre premier spinners gets over to India for the chance of a lifetime, and there's a baggy green cap there for him. You know if he wants it, and ultimately one or both parties come to the view that it just I, I, I'm not ready. You know I can't. It, it can't be done. You're not you're not good to go. I mean. Like, if you're a left-arm orthodox spinner, that is the tour that means everything to you from the age you start bowling spin, you know. Like, that that's where you get your purchase. That's where you get your um, opportunities. I mean, look at what Steve O'Keefe could do or whatever. But it says something about the state of Australian cricket that, you know, our left-arm orthodox spinner just was not in a position to do it, you know, to, to play. And it makes it doesn't surprise me at all that he goes back home and, he was none for 38 off 10, I think, in his WA match. Was straight back into white ball cricket. Very adept at it immediately and picked in the white ball um, team. So, mm. uh, yeah, I, 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 it, it, it really bothers me from a spin perspective in Australia because not only in, – in red ball cricket – because not only does it, you know, does it weaken Australia's spin prospects as bowlers, but it also robs our batters of good spinners to bat to, bat, to, bat to as well. So, yeah, anyway – um, yeah, two two in series. Looking forward to it. <laughs> I just I was having I was having to think about um you know the the spinning nature of the wickets and and how um and how heavily it skews the um the the odds into the favour of the home side in India. And now like I'm not I'm not complaining about that. I, I my my view is that you can do whatever the fuck you want with the pitches. Um, just don't tell me that you're not doing anything to them. Um, just I uh, just thinking about like you know the comparisons being you know Lion Kuhneman. Agar, Murphy, um, Santner, Bracewell, uh, Roston Chase and Brathwaite, uh, Simon Harmer, Maharaj, Shamsi, um, Leech. Jack Leach, Don Bess, you know, or, or 
or Aksar Patel, Jadeja, and Ashwin. I mean, like the the <laughs> the quality in variation of attack there, and just the execution of skills provided in their home countries when the ball is you know spinning as inconsistently or or even consistently as it as it does in India. I mean, it's just um. India is just the better team. Plus, as well, just the depth that they've got in there. I mean, Aksar Patel's probably been the best batter of the series. I know Rohit Sharma got 100, but like Aksar Patel's runs at fucking nine or whatever mm. he's batting, eight, is just, is mm. just. I mean, uh, I'm not really sure what Australia can look forward to in this test match. I mean, I, I do agree with you. I tend to agree with you anyway that Australia will improve throughout the series. But I think we're looking at now, we're looking at like individual performances that we can be proud of though i'm not sure if that's building to anything because next time australia are in india in a test series is 2027 now like most of this team won't be part of the same they, they won't be they won't be in the side like kawaja won't be there um he'll be 40 years old um uh some uh, some of the batters i'm guessing um might be there but but also might not be but um anyway uh, i mean one of those guys is david warner who's been sent home um, from the tour. He, But he has said that he's not retiring. He's, he's always said, told the selectors he's going to play until 2024. If they drop him before them from the red ball side, then he'll just play white ball cricket. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's almost a moot point, isn't it, to discuss what's going to happen for the Ashes because there's so much cricket's going to happen before then. And I'm not sure if he'll get a chance to play any red ball. Well, I guess he won't be playing any red ball cricket. I, I, I just get the feeling like he is most definitely going to be in the squad um, for the World Test Championship final if australia make it and uh and the ashes and if he's in the squad then i think he's probably going to play and um you know when when someone's been a grace of australian cricket you, you, you it's it's a big call to drop someone i've been saying this last few weeks and it's a big call to to um to write them off especially someone who does tend to have fight and character and, and application in uh, in david warner but um it just it feels to me like it would be a mistake in the sense that like there's just enough there's enough evidence to suggest that it's not going to work out. And then if we're trying to win the Ashes, let's say, and it's the second test match in and Dave Warner hasn't scored runs and he's been worked out around the wicket a couple of times or being found out in many different ways. This this is a hypothesis, I suppose. Um, Then are you changing your your opening batter midway through an Ashes? Has that ever worked out well for anyone in any series, let alone a five-test series? Um, I I just feel like it would be a mistake. But, you know... 2025 20, test hundreds or whatever fuck it's pretty good it's pretty good do you have any thoughts about david warner's future yeah i think uh it's a it's a massive um scenario that george bailey and the selection team are in i mean and i think they would be it's a it's a slightly different scenario but i think there are comparisons to the aaron finch situation where i i think it's it's fair to say that uh, they held on too long and um maybe some sterner action was required uh but you know it's all it's all done now and relationships are preserved i suppose uh mm. you know i i think if david warner announced tomorrow that he was retiring you know a good yardstick would be well how many people would say no we need you for the ashes you know I, i'm not sure there would be a lot of that uh may, maybe i'm wrong uh but his returns for the ashes were you know like were, were pretty bad last time and He's made one score over 50 in his last 15 innings. Or, you know, to be fair, it was a double ton, a fighting double ton too. Which, you know, if you're doing it while fighting, then fuck, that's about as good mm. as it gets. But uh, in Australia anyway. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the question is, you know, do the selectors have the courage to retire a great of the game um, before the great wants to retire? If they did it, I'd understand their logic. Uh, 
that said, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think I might have said this last week, but, you know, the, the phrase Gideon Hay used was, you know, shadows are lengthening on the career. And I think it's unbecoming to uh, speak about when people have got to go too forcefully. And mm. if, if Warner wants to go around for the Ashes again, it's a great story. And, uh, you know, I, I would remain open to the romantic possibility of him um, getting one back, you know, on, on what happened last time. Uh, and if he does that, then he earns the chance for some of the greatest cash-in runs and a little SCG swan song to finish his career. Uh, but oh. he just has to negotiate. Uh, you know, he gets to play. He gets to play threes. You know, to finish off, and that'd be fan- that'd be fantastic. <laughs> but he's he's got to get through. Um, he's got to be sort of thirty six, thirty seven, and getting through. Broad and Anderson and Archer and Wood and Robinson uh, and Wokes and whoever the mm. fuck else they've got in their battery Pots. there. Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And you name it. And um. Uh, that, you know, so but but you know, it's a great sports story if he if he wants to do it. You know, I I I don't know. I I think I think we're getting we're getting pretty close. It's amazing how actually not playing these next two games probably extends the chances of him playing the Ashes. Huge. You know, if Huge. if he fails four times, it's it's almost mm. kind of decided. Which in itself is silly because they're completely different decks. But it's just we just have that massive recency bias, you know. Oh, you, oh, you failed on um, deeply spinning wickets in India. You will not be able to play on green seamers in England. Or they might be flatties because of basball. You just won't be able to do that, man, because <laughs> they were going through the gate. You're out of yeah. form. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, last summer, last, so Pakistan and the West Indies are coming out to Australia this uh, next summer in 2023-2024. And last time Pakistan were out here, Dave Warner hit 335. Um, so he'd be he'd be desperate he'd be desperate for that one um, just to just to see. Oh, that I mean, uh, you know, yeah. Are you a Bancroft or a Harris guy? You know, to to come in for him or or head to open and bring in a middle order player? Uh, because I, I look, there's if it's a cash in summer coming up, you should get one of those guys in really and help and let them score some runs. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, who who you got? Yeah, I'm- I'm probably Bancroft. I think I think I've seen enough of Harris in, in a in a Joe Burns model where I've seen like it's just it doesn't quite look right for me. And uh, Bancroft's gone away and he scored a lot of runs. And I feel like he, he's played a bit of county cricket as well. Um, I, I feel I feel like there's something there though. I, I it, it does feel a little six of one, half dozen the other. So I want a new name um, that I've not seen before. That's oh, okay. young. And exciting, yes. um, and I won't have seen a bat before, but I'll be like, "No, nah, I want him." And then I won't have, I won't have looked at his stats or anything. But someone will just say he looks good, so yeah. I'll just go with that. So I want, I want something yeah. young. Yeah, yeah, something young and novel and exciting. Um, yeah, yeah, irrespective of the backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of middle-aged right. guys who've been in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we get into hashtag #AskTGC? Um, oh, by the way, you can get all the you can get the daily reviews uh, at patreon.com forward slash great cricketer, as well as of course hashtag AskCGC Fridays. Um, all right, this week's hashtag AskCGC comes in from Thomas. He says, "Hi boys, to what extent do you reckon Australia being shit this tour is due to fear of England and the Ashes coming up in the rearview mirror? We all know for a fact that Australia is soft as fuck. AB told me so. Root is better than Smith." Brooke is better than Bradman. Warner's fucked. And Labu Skakni can't remember how to hold a bat when you take him 50 miles away from Sydney. Do you think the Aussie team know this and are losing this series because A, 
they're trying to lower expectations ahead of being eaten alive by England, or B, aren't sleeping because they know they have to face Robbo, Jimmy and Big Joff in four months. I reckon they're basically tied to the railway tracks. They can hear the train coming, and they know they're going to get fucked. In my opinion, this is having an adverse impact on team morale and mental discipline. Welcome your thoughts, Thomas. Thomas, you're a beta cuck. Fuck off. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, look. <laughs> well, for, for, I mean, for, first things first, from Thomas, um, who's mm. sort of had this, had this brainwave where he's thought, oh, I've got something creative to write, and I'm going to write it into a podcast. Um, it's a nonce <laughs> suggestion. Uh, from Thomas, they're tied to the railway tracks. The team know it. Yeah. Now that's a non-suggestion. However, like this is the nightmare of English success, uh, yeah. where yeah. where they, you know, from time to time, English sport rallies and they put together a good team in a sport for a bit. Yeah. And yeah. And I tell you what, the the populace doesn't miss out. You know, especially online, <laughs> like they don't, they don't miss out. They fucking feed, yeah. they, they feed a drink from the trough, uh, of the most piercing, annoying, sharp tongue, sharp tongued verbal volleys, you know, like they've won a le- 10 from 12 playing the most entertaining form of test cricket ever seen from a position of complete dead shit destitution and don't. The fans know it, and and <laughs> frankly, Thomas, who I'm presuming is English, he's just cashing in, and so many people are, and they're absolutely allowed to do that, you know. Like it, it it's it's just the the form of, um, like the the form of uh, what's the word like um, what are you like like being a being a a bad gloating winner. It's just so fucking annoying, partly because the words are usually quite good and funny yep. uh, and, and, and deserved. Yeah, st- strong and slight, slightly, you know, like middle to upper class poncy pompous witticisms as well. Kind of uh, The type that le- – that, that, well, sure, but the, the type that leaves you going, as you said, you're, you're a wet beta cuck. I don't know if you're able to have <laughs> social relations with – with any sexual prospects for you in your life. However, you're correct. You're allowed to do it. Your team is good and you're going to do that, um, that English thing and we have to accept it. And that's why our, our live tour is going to be great in England. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and oh, considering yeah. calling it, wait till you try and do it against our boys, which is two word, you know, it won't be, it won't be the name, but um, you know, so, so Thomas is allowed to say it. You know, like Nighthawk, well, we're you know we're rattled now. Like you can't win with with online England. It's 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 oh, yeah, yeah. it's too it's too well developed. And I think that so long as mm. this is the great gift of of Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes, uh, you know, it's, mm. it's inexplicably England are the fucking entertainers now, and we we have to accept it. It's great. It's great times for the for the for the online pompous crowd. It's so, and I say good luck to them. Yeah, it's it is a it is a precarious one as an Australian player, especially particularly us who are just you know broadly speaking just fans of the game. We just like watching the games, you know, and like what England have done for Test cricket is fucking amazing. We celebrate that last week. Now the only thing wetter than the Nighthawk was the reaction to the clip we put out last week 
of me calling the wick, uh, the the night hawk wick, uh, the night hawk wet. Um, that was that was the only there was the only thing wetter than that. Now, you know, what's 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 coupled with this at the same time is obviously Australia getting absolutely battered in India, and you know over the course of our lifetime, Australia have been the bad guys. We've been the enemy. We behave poorly, and we deserve everything that's come our way. As you said, England are just somehow sorted themselves out and they've got this amazing team all of a sudden. Are they the best team in the world? I don't know. Maybe they are. Over the course of the week, Pez, you know, um, I've been called racist, um, misogynist. I've been told to cry more, um, rattled. Uh, then obviously the next day I uh, have DMs um, asking if, if we wanted to collab, um, you know, during the Ashes. So it's always, that's, it's, it's always good to know where the old bread is buttered there. Um but you know this is this is part of the online discourse, and and when it comes to the Ashes, Pez, I'll I'll enjoy the cricketing sense of watching England perform well and having their players do good things. But it'll be against Australia, and that's going to hurt me because the DMs are going to be some of the wettest fucking beast of shit that I've ever read in my entire life, and I'll just have to cop it. And all I'm going to hear is five nil, fuck off. And you know what? That'd be fair enough. See you guys next week.